All right, so a little bit of a light humor for you today as part of our uh, entertainment podcast. The uh, the Lyric Opera of Chicago has launched its second, its brand new season with a new production of Wagner's Das Rheingold. It's the first opera of the epic four-part ring cycle conducted, of course, by Sir Andrew Davis. Das Rheingold runs through October 22nd, and its companion, Longer, Louder Wagner, the Second City Wagner Companion, runs October 27th through the 30th. And we have two of the stars from each, Rodel Rossell uh, from Das Rheingold and Tim Sniffen from Longer, Louder Wagner, one of the writers. And welcome to the studio. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Now, this is uh, this is all part of Second City, so this is humorous. This isn't going to be, you know, like a history lesson where you go and your eyes are starting to fall asleep. There's a lot of humor involved in this, which is wonderful. Yes, that is the hope, that it won't just feel like a book report. But, you know, there's a we hope people walk away with a little bit of learning about Wagner and his mm-hmm. life, which not everyone may immediately, you know, have lots of details. So there's a little of that, but mostly it's uh, to have a good laugh. Is it a challenge to make Wagner funny? It wasn't that much of a challenge because this is a man with a weird and complicated life. He's certainly a larger-than-life character, and the more I read about him, the more I thought, yeah, there's plenty of stuff here for a comedy show. What did you learn about Wagner that you didn't know before? Well, I knew he, of course, was a celebrated uh, you know, composer and, and director, but he had a rough life. He seemed to never have enough money. He was constantly borrowing from his friends, uh, he liked the ladies, he had a few wives, a few uh, people on the side. So while I knew him as this as this great presence, I think if you were actually his friend, you would probably be something of a nightmare. So, Like know. most of our friends are, I mean, I would say, or some of our friends. Well, you Not know, those listening, of course. Always borrowing yeah. money. You know, he eventually had this uh, Bavarian king who just stepped in and paid all of his debts, built him a house. So we don't know what was going on in the background there to make all that possible. So he just was certainly a really interesting figure to learn more about. So definitely easy to put a comedic spotlight on. I found that there was plenty of material there for us to work with. (laughs) Rodel, you are no stranger to the lyric. 20 roles since 2005. Uh, Talk about some of the roles that you've played. I know you've been in Los Angeles, Seattle, (laughs) and I'm sure Chicago is your favorite out of all the lyrics. Yeah, well, I've been uh, with uh, Lyric since 2005. I did their uh, uh, Young Artist Program, which is now called the Ryan Opera Center. I was there from 2005, 2007, and then since then they've invited me back regularly. And the roles that I am very, you know, happy to always do and um, I've done are, uh, for example, um, Manasotos in uh, Magic Flute, which I'm going to do again this season. And uh, uh, I've been in involved in um, Butterfly as Goro, the marriage broker, which is for some people who are familiar with Miss Saigon, that would be the engineer. Okay, okay, got it, yeah. <laughs> the marriage broker. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, everything I do there uh, are are great roles. They always make sure that they, when they invite artists, it's they invite them to, to showcase them. It's not the kind of opera company where, hmm, we just need to fill in spots. No. That's why when you get invited, it's always uh, a privilege because they know that the roles that they are, they are giving you are the ones that will showcase you. It's such a majestic place, is it not, though, in it which is. to perform? I mean, when you're on stage as an actor, do you ever have kind of a pinch me moment and say, wow, I am here? Yeah. It, you know, the first year, I mean, my first year there was Carmen with Denise Graves. Oh, yeah. And during that time, um, Neil Shikoff, which is a celebrated tenor as well. And 
and you know we get to be part of just not just a production but you know these stories that you hear from passed on by 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 teachers about oh in the backstage things that happen how how some singers are, are nervous wrecks and then sometimes you know when they said oh there are singers who just before they go on they they hold on to the curtains and you have to push them out actually there have been singers where they're really really nervous and then some of us would be like just you know take them with us come on yeah. let's go yeah. and you know so it's not just the uh, uh, experience of performing but the experience of backstage uh that happens that it makes opera more relatable, like a real job rather than just, you know, um, show. Yeah, so. yeah. I interviewed Denise Grave. She was in here when she was with the Lyric, I think either last season or the pre- the season before that. She walked in the room. I swear, every head turns. You know, it's this, <laughs> it's this command, this aura of respect and just what she has done. And I almost fainted before I did the interview, <laughs> but she's fantastic. But you're in that role too now. I mean, the younger actors and the younger performers look to you, I'm sure, for it's... guidance and advice and, and control and stamina. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, one of the good things about uh, singing for lyric opera and even for places like Los Angeles, Houston, and uh, the Met is you, even as a young artist, you get to sing with all these established singers and you learn from them, not just through listening to them, but how they uh, carry themselves on stage and off stage. And that you get to emulate that as you get older. So when you get invited back as as a visiting artist, the young artist then sees that in you, what you've learned from previous previous artists, and um, yeah, it's it's just it's just a nice feeling of being able to reach that level. Okay, that's the next level. We're young artists now. We're towards the uh, uh, pre height of our career. Right. Because everyone has the height of their career or their you know the the part of their career where they're really excelling most. And you know, hopefully for me, I'm still. Going to that excelling part because you always want to grow. So. Absolutely. Let's talk about your character. Let's talk about Dust Rheingold and your character. Who do you play? I play Mima, who which is the uh, the brother of the main dwarf okay. in the uh, in the quadrilogy. Right. Right. <laughs> and um, there's four. Yeah. Albrich yeah. is Albrich is the uh, the dwarf who steals the gold and makes a ring out of it. And I'm the brother. Okay. Uh, basically. Uh, uh, to be sure, you know, long story short, at least in Rheingold, I'm the one who makes the helmet that makes him invisible. And I also uh, help the other dwarves to, to, to do his bidding. And ever since um, Albrecht had a hold of the gold and was able to forge the ring, he actually abused that power. And we, uh, me along with the other dwarves are, he became his slaves. So, in the in the opera, when you get to see it, you'll see how physical my character is and how I'm manhandled so much and being thrown around. I'm actually I call it the hundred meter dash roll. And yeah. even the uh, even uh, general director um, Anthony Freud um, says that because it's I'm there for maybe about fifteen minutes out of two and a half hours. I sing for less than Which ten is minutes. Quite a bit, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, I sing for less than ten minutes if you put all my singing together, but. It's so fast. My appearance is so fast, and it's so active. Right. And you'll see it in the, in the opera that when I appear, I do say or sing stuff that is part of the plot, and 
Yeah. And it's got to be a physically demanding role, too. Singing yeah. and dancing and moving. And it's got to be a challenge yeah, for you. Like How do you prepare for crawling, tumbling. Yeah, it's like gymnastics. And rolling around. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it, and it's always been a role for character tenors. Character tenors are the supporting role uh, tenors and uh, were expected to have great diction, great uh, musicianship, musicality, and physical ability. So It's wonderful. I can't wait to see well, both. Um, Tim, let's get back to you a little bit, too. I know you wrote and performed in the Second City Guide to the opera. You've worked with the lyric before. What's it like to be back? I love it. It was so exciting for us when we first collaborated with Lyric Opera. Because we hadn't done it before, Renee Fleming had come to a show of ours, and we were using a sample of her voice in the soundtrack of the show. Another person who, when she came into the studio, I almost fainted again. But oh my god! But, yeah, right? the first time I met her, right? It's like this this angelic figure coming there, in. There's just such poise and power to her. Uh-huh. You feel like she could just point at you and say, "Leave," and you <laughs> yeah. would. You you wouldn't. You don't question Renee Fleming. You'd jump out oh, of a window. No. It was like, well, no, right? Renee Fleming told me to do this. <laughs> But it was... You don't do anything with her character when you're writing. <laughs> <laughs> no. But we had her featured in our first show. Right. Uh, we had this master class scene where she comes in as someone that has never sang before. We had her come in with a bike helmet and like a half-finished coffee. <laughs> and then, of course, she she belts out in, in Renee Fleming's voice and, you know, everyone in the room is stunned. We had to give her a moment where, of course, you know, she can just show off her powers. Right. Because you she don't have herself. Renee Fleming in a, in a scene and not have not ask her to sing. Is it hard to write for people, write to characters? Do you ever have any challenges or any pushback? Well, the nice thing with Second City is, you know, especially with our improvisation background, we just write a lot and then we see what works. So for Renee, it was we had a lot of different scenes and then we sent them off to her and she got to choose the ones that she just felt like would be most fun to perform. And so we went from there. So the it, it took the pressure off of writing the perfect scene for her. You give her a bunch of different options. We had a scene where, because Patrick Stewart was also in the show with her, oh, where he was great. like a middle manager at Kinko's having his retirement party. <laughs> and Renee was that one person in your office that has to sing louder than everyone else and harmonize with it. And, you know, finally Patrick Stewart got to rip her apart and be like, Carol? You have ruined every single office party that we've had at this Kinko's. <laughs> so the nice thing is it gave him a chance to have his like dramatic monologue and also scream at Renee Fleming, which he probably had never gotten the chance to do before. I was going to say, it prob- that for us, I, I just, just watching and hearing about that, that is, I think, what, uh, what an audience would want to see. You know, yes. a, a major character step outside of their dramatic roles or what they would normally be, maybe even outside their comfort zone a little bit. Yes, and she was absolutely up for it which was so much fun for us you know she was not precious about her public persona she wanted to have fun which made it easy for us to write for her do you ever watch i mean now with with politics i have to i have to bring in politics a little bit too to tie in a little bit with with wagner and the time period but uh, do you watch the uh the saturday night live sketches and samantha b and uh, oh, the daily yes. show and all those and yeah. just i mean crack up at what they're writing now i mean the material it's got to be so rich for you right it's now. a it's a magical time to be alive because there's so much going on that not just is worthy of satire but needs it i think we now look more to the satire than we do sometimes to the news itself for a, an honest take about what's going on because right. well it's, for comfort probably in yes. a sense too because i think we find not to put words in every American's mouth, but we find ourselves somewhat in the middle of a circus, a yes. political circus. Yes, and I think a lot of comedy, 
its history is you have to speak honestly about what's going on, however shocking you know or terrifying it might be. And so we need it right now. I'm I'm glad all those shows, Samantha B, everyone else is is out there speaking truth to power. Absolutely, life imitating art or vice versa. It's funny when you said <clears throat> circus. Yeah. And the first thing that came to mind was it's like a lion and it's tamer, and you right. don't know. Okay, who do you want to root for? <laughs> right, like the old gladiator yeah, days. Like, sure, hmm, Roman times. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, what advice would either or would both of you have for young up and coming actors? I know it's such a it's it's such a difficult position to break into. You have to have I know a little bit of the the natural the raw talent as well, but someone who's really determined either as a dramatic actor or a comedic actor. Well, I've been known to be huge with karaoke singing, right? <laughs> no, there, there's a reason why. Um, um, Tim, I've can learned... we get some of that, uh, some of that raw <laughs> yeah. tape? Can we cue up, let it go? <laughs> uh, <laughs> go ahead, well, no, the go thing ahead, is, um, in, in opera, you know, voice is, of course, the, the first and foremost, most important thing. Um, but as a character tenor, as you can see, it's called character, which means it's a character actor singing. Uh, we are expected a lot. Like I said, we're expected uh, great diction, great musicianship, and great acting abilities. And I did not necessarily go to acting school. I mean, I, I did go to musical theater classes at some point in community college, but very little. But I am I'm fortunate enough to be a mimic. So I watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot of TV. I observe them. But not. it's not just about movies, but I also – that the reason why I go to karaoke or open mic nights is I observe singers. They may be the worst singers or the or, or the best singers, but you you uh, analyze how they sing and how they react to songs, how they react to audience, and also you go to open mic and they you know open mic is uh, known for its text, not necessarily for its singing, but you listen to its text and how they perform, how they in- engage with audience and. You, you learn what works and what, don't, what doesn't work. And that's one of my training in real life rather than in school. So for me, as a, you know, from, from my experience, I, I encourage everyone to be open to those. You know, you, yes, you could go to uh, school and study acting, but there's nothing. Sometimes the best uh, acting uh, learning is actually watch people right. watch and observe exactly, and, and yeah. then take notes. Of, hmm, how, that's how they respond to that. And like what you said, even with the political climate right now, yeah. you have to see how people. Re- it's hard to, it's hard to see how they react through Facebook posts. Right. <laughs> but so you <laughs> and really, have, and- <laughs> you really have to go to bars during a Cubs game <laughs> and how they react to games. Oh. And that's that's part of my training is just observing people in real life. And Tim, how about you? I would say if you are a young artist starting out, get out there and do it yourself. I think there is no better teacher than than performing on your own. I can think of when I first arrived in Chicago, I took a ton of improv classes, and that's great to take classes and, and sort of learn how to refine. But the thing that taught me most was just trying it for myself, seeing what connects with an audience. And the nice thing, especially somewhere like Chicago, there are so many places to do it. Even if it's if it's a, a small stage for an audience of 10, that is as much a teacher as performing for a room of 300. And I would say also learn how to work with other people, perform in an ensemble, because you probably will at some point. But also make sure to give yourself a chance to do exactly what you want, because I think some of the 
especially these days, people are looking for people with unique voices mm-hmm. able to tell their own story. So don't give away all of your, your awesome quirks and complications in exchange for being able to work with a large group of people or maybe be, you know, palatable to, you know, a, a large theater. Also, you know, keep a hold of your your freaky self because that will be just as important later on. Absolutely. Well, congratulations to both on all of your success and kudos to Second City for just cranking out great talent. Yes. Great oh, writers, great talent. Yes. You know, we are it's called the Second City, but in my eyes we are the number one city <laughs> for comedy and for acting. Agreed. So, Right. Thanks for all that you guys do. Uh, Rodell, Rodell, Rosell. Uh, sorry, Rodell. I'll correct that in the tape. Rodell, Rosell. That's Rheingold. And Tim Sniffen is the writer for Longer, Louder, Wagner. That's Rheingold is through October 22nd at the Lyric. And Longer, Louder, Wagner, the Second City Wagner Companion, runs October 27th through October 30th. And uh, best of luck. Get out there and vote on November 8th so you guys have more material. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys.